Welcome to Create Beauty Every Day, a podcast about art, life, and creativity. I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick, and this podcast is brought to you by HookingRugs.com. Be sure to go over to my website and find out all about rug hooking, creativity, and art. Create beauty every day. Hey everybody, welcome back to Create Beauty Every Day, the podcast with Deanne Fitzpatrick. And today I have the honor of interviewing Freeman Patterson. And Freeman is a photographer that I have followed for many years and recently um, read one of his books. And uh, Freeman is the author and um, artist for 15 books of, of photography and writing. And as well, um, he has collaborated on other books uh, Freeman, tell me a little bit about um, your about you and your art. I've 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 followed you for years, so I know a little bit. But let's tell everybody else. Well, I think I may as well start at the beginning without making it long winded. Which was, I was born in Southern New Brunswick, and after I uh, finished university and uh, uh, lived in various places around North America. Mm -hmm. uh, after 17 years, I moved back to New Brunswick. And that, believe it or not, was 50 years ago. And uh, I, uh, at that time, I was at the last, before my last move, I was living in Toronto. But I was freelancing uh, as a photographer uh, for national magazines and design agencies. And I was also doing work for the National Film Board. But I was... Uh, teaching as well to amateur groups, um, particularly in the evenings and on weekends. And people kept saying, when are you going to start your own workshop? When are you going to start your own workshop? And one day I woke up and realized I've got a market. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to make the move back to New Brunswick. So I, I built a house, which also had room for, for teaching. And that was, believe it or not, 1973 and here we go into 2023 right so i've completed 50 years of workshops now mind you not just here uh because i taught entirely here for the first from say may until october for five years and then i did workshops after that <clears throat> uh moved the site to grand manan and then to gagetown new brunswick and eventually to not too far away from here but in the process, I started teaching overseas. So I, I taught in South Africa from 2000, and, no, from 1982 until 2019. And I was there several weeks a year. So really I've spent several years of my life in South, in South Africa. And then, but I've also, taught in uh, Australia uh, and New Zealand, many times in New Zealand, uh, in France, in Israel, in England, and so on. So mm -hmm. I've had extreme good fortune of being to, able to uh, photograph, teach photography, and visual design. I'm not, people, it's not just tools and techniques. And this is one of the things that I really want to emphasize no tool or no technique, no camera, in other words, can make a, a good or a fine photograph or a fine image all by itself. The creativity is never, never, never in the tool. It's always in the person. Uh, 
-hmm. You can write a, you can, for, for example, uh, to take somebody like uh, uh, a worldwide, uh, world-known photographer or uh, novelist like Margaret Atwood, whom I've had the opportunity to work with briefly a couple of times. Uh, Margaret uh, is very computer savvy, but on the other hand, she has a cabin in the North Woods of Quebec uh, and she retreats to that some, sometimes when she's starting new projects where she writes with a ballpoint pen or lead pencil. So she brings the creativity to whichever tool she's using, whether it's a pencil or a computer. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we want to believe, especially as students, that it is in the tool, because if it was in the tool, it would be so much easier. <laughs> it would. I mean, we wouldn't have to exercise our, our gray matter, wouldn't it? <laughs> Which would be I thing. think that's what it is. Like, a, <laughs> we, 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 uh, I experience the same thing sometimes, you know, a lot of conversation about the wool or the hook or the when it really it is about the human being and what the human being has to offer whatever art that yeah one of the things too is that a lot of people have the or, or would say uh oh i'm just not creative which is nonsense mm -hmm. because i mean every single individual uh even i'll say the mentally challenged are incredibly gifted uh the we're all part of creation. Mm -hmm. And what does creation do all the time? It just keeps on creating. Yeah. And that means everything that's created is loaded with the goods, as it were, to help keep the process going. So I think really the big challenge is to accept the fact that we are creative and, and uh, that's the best, we, the best thing we can do to honor the gift of life, say, yes, I accept this challenge. Freeman, when you started teaching photography in your early workshops, because you've been teaching workshops in your home base now for, for 50 years, when you started, was it a little bit more about technique and tool or was it always about uh, the human, the human's ability? Well, to... no, I, well, of course, and I have to, well, let me make a very sharp distinction for you. Yeah. Um, I'll make a sharp distinction between art and craft. Mm -hmm. Now, if I put a camera, just hang a camera over my shoulder and go out in the woods, I may, and I live in a wild area, um, I may walk for half an hour and not see anything that I want to make a photograph of. Or I may go out and suddenly something catches my eye and it holds my attention maybe for five minutes, maybe for an hour. And the thing to do always is to follow your energy. Because when you have that urge to, to do something, that's your unconscious, really, uh, saying, this matters to you. And one should pay attention to it. And I've found that the best work I've ever done is not when I'm being rational, rational, but when I'm paying attention to my feelings. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> art is born in the unconscious. When you, it's born in our passions, in our imagination, in, in our dreams. <clears throat> and when something turns you on, follow that. Mm -hmm. What craft is, 
it is knowing the tools and techniques which gives material form to your passions, your imagination, and your dreams. Yeah. It's, it's like languages. <clears throat> Let's say you're fluent in, I'll just pick a number, three languages. Very fluent, we'll say, in the language in which you were born. And you can be very versatile in how you express yourself. But six, let's say your first language is English and your second language is French. And you may not be as fluent in French, but you may be functional. So you can get all of the basic ingredients as it were across, express yourself, communicate information fairly well, but you can't quite give it the pizzazz that you can in English. But on the other hand, let's say you're fluent absolutely totally fluent in all three languages mm -hmm. that doesn't guarantee that you have anything worthwhile saying mm -hmm. you can be you can be perfectly knowledgeable in a craft and and if you're not if you're not following your imagination and your dreams and your passion what you're producing is going to be very boring when did you discover that you had something to say um that's a hard question to ask. Yeah, uh, difficult. I, um, <laughs> or to answer, rather. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I think I kind of always knew it. But mm -hmm. that, that everyone has something important to say. Uh, so I, I'm one of the many somebodies. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, I became very aware of it for a few, in a few experiences when I was photographing. Okay. And something would really turn me on big time. And I, I wouldn't try to figure out why I was so excited. I'd just shoot it and shoot it and shoot it and shoot it until the energy was drained out of me. And invariably, when I looked at all the photographs that I had made and started edit editing them down to, we'll say the best, I would realize that what I was photographing had a symbolic value, it was a symbol of, and it stood for something. I'll give you an example. Um, in the 1980s and 1990s, three times I flew into Christchurch, New Zealand from Canada and had a motorcycle waiting for me. So the first night I got, uh, I got a good night's sleep, got up the next morning, went to the motorcycle shop, picked up the motorcycle and just disappeared for two weeks. No plans whatsoever. I didn't have any reservations about where I was gonna stay, just set up. Three of the best trips I've ever had in my life because I, I didn't, I just sort of let life take its course and it was wonderful. And um, anyway, on one of these trips, I was riding very early in the morning up the east coast of South Island, New Zealand. And I came, I was on a beach called where the famous, now famous, not so famous then, uh, Mareki boulders were. Now the Mareki boulders are huge, uh, small to enormous round rocks emerging out of the mud and the sand of the Southern Ocean. And the tide was fairly low. So a lot of these rocks were exposed. 
And it just so happened because it was so early, I was down on the beach by myself. And I started to photograph these. And I realized pretty soon that I was just higher than a kite. I was just absolutely flying. I was totally energized. And, but let's say, I think the, the year that that happened was 1987. Well, I was in midlife at that point. And the circle, which is what those rocks were, or the globe, mm -hmm. in all cultures, all cultures on earth, and for individuals, <clears throat> has always been a symbol of centeredness, of wholeness, of a goal. And those are the challenges of midlife. One tends to be goal-oriented. This is the time for achievement. Mm -hmm. and, and then later, another, another motorcycle trip, I was on the uh, south coast of, uh, uh, on the Great Ocean Road in Australia. And uh, those of you, who, those of your listeners who've been there will know the, the, about the great, uh, the 12 apostles, which are huge rock erosion formations, huge rocks standing off on the, uh, in the ocean. So anyway, I pulled the motorcycle over to uh, a rest stop or whatever, a viewing point, And there were four or five other people there making photographs. And I ended up pointing my other, in the other direction at the a patch, a round patch of mud in a very grassy field. And when I made this picture, the round patch of mud was quite small, but all of this hair was, or hair grass was flowing out like it was a fright wig. And I, <clears throat> but it was all woven together. It was integrated and it was at least I don't know, a few years later before I realized that photograph was a clear turning point. It registered what was happening in my life. In other words, I'm getting to the point, I'm getting older, I'm moving into the second half of life. And my challenge was no longer the goal. I had achieved major goals and could ride with them. Mm -hmm. But it was to integrate and that's what weave or texture is any weaver mm -hmm. uh, or person who works with fabric will know. Um, and if you're making a photograph, uh, a, a texture is the, we the illusion of weave or fabric on a two-dimensional surface. So in other words, and it looks like all the threads are integrated to make a whole. And I had another even more powerful experience of that a few months later. But the whole point was a new symbol was appearing. I was really giving up circles, going for weaves and textures, because in the second half of life, we try to integrate. We try to pull together all the highlights, the great things that have happened to us, all the horrible things that have happened to us and the middle things and get them all integrated to live a, let's say an integrated life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there it was. In other words, there you're, if when a person such as myself is photographing for himself or when any person is creating for herself, it doesn't have to be with photography. 
when they're doing that. This and not for a client, not for uh, to win a prize or a contest, but just for the sheer love of it. You'll tell your own life story. You'll just absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. It'll just happen, won't it? I agree. Act right. If- You'll follow the symbols. Mm-hmm. But the minute you try to do it to win a prize, then your ego gets in the way. Nothing happens. <laughs> I loved I loved what you just told told us. It was great teaching, really, and it, it's true. Um, and it it also talks about how your work changes throughout your life because you have different things to say. You're you're receiving right. different things in a different way because because we age, you know. Exactly. If if you start not at the beginning, let's whatever your field of artistic endeavor may be, and in my case, it's. Well, I really do three things. I'm a photographer, and that's how I've made my li- my living. But I'm also a writer. I've made quite a bit of my living from that too. And I'm also a gardener, a big time gardener. Mm. Now, but let's just take the photography. If I look at the work I'm doing this month, and then start going back and looking at early in the year and then go back to 2020 and back. And I I wanted to look for two things in my work. I want to see what's constant, what remains the same. Yeah. And what has changed and how swiftly. And I, both in the subject matter that I'm choosing to photograph and in the way that I'm going about it, both the subject matter and my approach. Those two things are how I tell my life story. Mm-hmm. They're symbolic of me. I think that's a great exercise for any artist, really. And I know yeah. I do it myself. I know I look at, you know, what's been constant and what things I keep going back to, because those are the things that matter really to us. And, 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 but yet I'd be devastated if I didn't see change. I'd be. Of course. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. Yeah, I'd still be hooking the first rug I ever made. Right. (laughs) You know, we would. Um, How how do you... um, So when someone comes and they say, I'm not creative, how do you bring them around? You know, they come, they've got a gorgeous camera. They're really successful in other aspects of their life. And then they come and and they're coming to you because they're just not sure they have something to say. Have you had students like that? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. The the thing is the gorgeous, I don't have a gorgeous camera. Yeah. Um, I would say my two cameras, both of them cost with a lens, $450. People just drop dead when I tell them that. Because I love that. <laughs> their camera probably cost them $2,000 and it does yeah. everything that make tea for them every morning. <laughs> and, and, but, um, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, the, the whole point is the, t- the, the tool, you can set it there and say, okay, do something. It can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can say, okay, there's a language, it's French. The language isn't talking. You have to use that tool, the camera or the language, to convey. And and so it's you bring the creativity to the tool. You must person must never ever ever forget that. Mm-hmm. 
So when someone doesn't feel they have it, how do you, oh, how do you bring them around? Just up front. Oh, totally. I'll say, look, you know, and you know, it's funny, I don't know why, but the people who say that to me most tend to be engineers. And I, I'm not an engineer or anything approaching, but I don't know how an engineer can be an engineer for 30 seconds without being creative. Right. I agree. It's a very creative <laughs> field. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just up front and give point. it to them. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, um, I don't know. You know, maybe the hardest thing for all of us is to accept ourselves. One of the things we do, of course, to other people is we project our own unlived lives onto them mm -hmm. and, and, and we put them down sometimes instead of putting ourselves down. Instead of admitting that we haven't done what we should can do in a certain area or we've never become what we know way deep down we can be. We'll, we'll say something, oh, no, no, you can't do that. And, and, and discourage them. And, and also, and this is particularly true of men, I think a, uh, a lot of them are afraid to express or reveal their feminine side. Mm -hmm. In other words, to admit they have feelings. I, uh, I have a very fine teaching partner for my workshops. Uh, some of my workshops here in New Brunswick, we've been teaching together for uh, 27 years. Uh, and, and he uh, he had a partner, they were married for 27 years. And uh, it was a magnificent marriage. And the partner died. And um, of cancer in, at the age of 55. Well, that's a wrench. Mm -hmm. It was an incredibly good relationship. Just one of the best marriages I've ever known. Now, <clears throat> the depth of his grief matches the depth of the love in that relationship. Yes. What is his saving grace is he's not afraid to cry. Mm -hmm. he, he, he doesn't want you not to talk about his partner, but if anything just triggers a memory that really pinches, really hurts, he'll just burst out into tears and he won't apologize for it mm -hmm. and he won't slow down. He'll just go and, and there's no apology. He's not afraid. Yeah, feelings, mm -hmm. and, and I think that is something that men have, you know, been taught not to do, either directly or indirectly, and it's a great shame. Mm -hmm. I think it's limited to a lot of men. I I think what you're saying though really is that our art is just that it's feeling and when is one of the things that you're saying is that art is feeling and if we let ourselves feel then we can we can tap into our creativity absolutely art art is fundamentally subjective mm -hmm. it comes from each of us craft is objective mm -hmm. it's a good explanation 
Yeah. Simple and good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very simple and good. Uh, you teach collaboratively sometimes. I noticed that you teach with uh, Marie Helene Elan. Yes. Uh, the sculptor. And and I noticed that you, you don't like, uh, so Marie would not be a photographer. So in that course, what are, what kinds of things are you doing? Well, uh, Marie Elena, and there, there are actually four, four of us working okay. together. On that. Yes. Uh, for that workshop, which is called InScape, uh, we only do one week a year. And mm -hmm. my main co or my co-facilitator is David McGinley, who is, has been for many years, uh, the supervising chaplain in the at, in the cancer wards at the Queen Elizabeth II Hospital in Halifax, mm. and he, um, for, when I say the supervising chaplain, that's for people of any faith or no faith, so to speak. I mean, in yeah. other words, it uh, he's there to provide spiritual support and guidance, whatever. A wonderful guy, and he's a four-time cancer survivor himself. And uh, so David and I uh, decided to start this workshop in Skate. And we talk about these things that never normally get talked about. And one of the things, uh, we have two people uh, who are, we invite every year. One is Marie Adanela, the uh, sculptor. She's a, a Roman Catholic sister, a sister of charity. And the National Film Board, she lives in Bactouche, New Brunswick, or Saint-Marie de Kent, which is next door to Bactouche. And uh, Marie-Hélène, uh, she uh, started off as an elementary school teacher. Then she she wanted to, she went to uh, Ecole de Beaux-Arts, a school of fine arts in Montreal, and studied to be a sculptor. And she came back to New Brunswick and said to the mother superior that she said, I, I love my children, I, I love teaching. And she said, I, well, I, I think if I don't sculpt something and they will die. And it was a very wise mother superior. Mm -hmm. She said, well, then you must sculpt. And she said, but I can't make the order any money. And the mother superior said to her, you're not here to make money, you are here to serve. And, and if sculpting is your vocation and you can serve by sculpting, that is what you should do. Yeah. And so the National Film, Bo film Board has done a wonderful film on her. Uh, in, in French, uh, the title is uh, En Dialogue avec la Pierre. In English, it's speaking with stone. And uh, it was 2008. And the whole thing is how her religious life and her artistic life, she realized they're parallel. They're not separate. They're the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she has nuns' knees. In other words, the last time she was probably <laughs> in church <laughs> was to a wedding or to a funeral. <laughs> well, I uh, asked her once, uh, I asked her, I was at visiting her at the convent and I said, do you get on your knees to pray? And she almost laughed at me and she said, uh, when I work, I pray. And I love exactly. that. 
I loved her for that. Uh, you know, just an incredible That's, human being. She is an incredible human being. Well, anyway, she is a facilitator a, mm -hmm. at Escape, along with Marjorie Nay from Virginia, who is an experienced worker with dreams, not analyzing dreams. No one can analyze dreams except the dreamer. But she, how can we describe this? But as, let me put it this way. There is a huge relationship between the symbols in your dreams and most of the things that appear in dreams. The, mm. You know, the fact that you were riding a, a bicycle that was black in one dream and the next dream you're riding a red bicycle and it's got a flat tire. And, and then the next dream you're on top of a, uh, a donkey or whatever and the donkey wants to have a picnic on a purple blanket I mean you say it's weird these things are all symbolic and and uh, but Marjorie gives an incredible incredible uh, morning to us on working with dreams and dream symbols and and then we all go and fill our coffee cups up and we go into a lounge and we sit around and and uh, everything that is said and discussed stays there. But Marjorie will start off saying, okay, let's, we're, we're going to work, do dream work. And, and so she'll say, Dion, do you, or anyone else, do you have a dream? And you said, yes, yes, I have a dream I want to share. So you tell the dream and she will have you repeat it. So we all, make sure we get the, hear the details. And then she gives us all an opportunity to ask questions of you. And that may trigger your memory. You may remember other things. And then when that's done, she'll say, okay, now remember no one can interpret Deanne's dream. But what you do is you say, if this were my dream, then the fact that the bicycle is red and has a flat tire always. But my black bicycle, when I dream about it, it never has a flat tire. This, in my mind, might suggest ta-da-ta-da. And so, and then I, that's all I have to say. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see. Marie, who's sitting next to me, says, uh, okay, but I noticed in your dream that you were always riding on a pavement. You were always in an urban area. You were never in the country. And I'm wondering why that was the case. And that's all she has to say. And gradually, as we go around the group, all of a sudden, somebody hits onto something. And the person who gave the dream is having a, aha, experience so then we're in so to speak and and we begin to peel back the layers and so on it's because a dream and art have the same function they are your unconscious speaking to your ego trying to tell you something important about yourself and so when i put the camera over my shoulder and wander out into the woods and suddenly I come to an old trunk and I start to photograph it and then I realize two hours have gone by mm -hmm. 
something is going on there in my unconscious. And I may not know what it is. I may not know until I go back and look at all these photographs and get rid of ones that don't seem to matter to me. And finally, I end up with eight or nine and say, okay, it's kind of like unpacking a dream. Mm -hmm. Freeman, I feel like I could come to one of your workshops with my iPhone. <laughs> you could <laughs> easily. I, I, do, I mean, some, <laughs> I do when I do one day workshops here at Champions Bluff from time yeah. to time. And I had for one to three people and, yeah. at a time, and I had three people on one workshop this summer, every one of whom had an iPhone and that was it. We're happy as clams. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's really and I, I think that's what I love about your work. And what I loved about your last book was that um, you were really about the creativity uh, aspect of photography and and about the the creative aspects of life and how it enriches a life. And I really, I really feel that off you and our conversation today was really rich. And I'm really thankful that I had the chance to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah. It was very nice to talk with you, Deanne. Yeah, and, really uh, lovely. I hope the people who listen to this find value. I think they will. I'm sure I, I, I'm thinking of some of the people I know who hook rugs and some of them who say I'm not creative and some of them who say I am creative. And I think you've given them lots of food for thought and lots of ideas. And so thank you so much. Great. How do people find you Freeman, if they want to get in touch or if they want to go uh, to one of your workshops? A couple or... of things. Um, you can go my, my website is www.freemanpatterson.com. Uh, uh, Dot com and all the workshops for next year are listed there already and uh, there are three or four different kinds and where registrations are start are coming in uh, and uh, so people can register at any time the other thing if you go to the website you'll notice on the very on the home page I mean there's workshops listed this that and the other thing but there's also periodical letters and I send a periodical letter out every, normally. It's not a newsletter per se. It's like 10 pages of writing and photographs and a whole range of things. I mean, I do talk about photography, but I talk about books I'm reading. I talk about other things, all kinds of other things. And you can, uh, it says periodical letter. You click on periodical letter. It says read Freeman's most periodic, recent periodical letter now, but all the past ones are there as well. Yeah. So if anyone is interested, they can sign up to that. Uh, that's free. There's no charge. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's rich. There's lots of content in there. I went through some of them. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're very good. So I think hopefully you'll you will see some signups from this podcast and we'll probably, um, uh, I, I, I know that I'm going to get some real good conversation from some of the listeners about this. Great. Thank you so much. Freeman Patterson at freemanpatterson.com. Um, well-known New Brunswick photographer, well-known internationally known photographer, but certainly in New Brunswick, your household name for sure. And in, in Atlantic Canada, really. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate this time with you. And this podcast is Create Beauty Every Day. I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick, and I had the pleasure of spending um, half an hour with Freeman Patterson. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Create Beauty Every Day. The podcast was brought to you by HookingRugs.com. Be sure to go over to HookingRugs.com and learn all about how you can create beauty every day.